Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet on Night of the Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Blue, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose another heartbreaker, um, this time by a score of 131 to 128. I don't know if heartbreaker is necessarily the right word. Like, I- I'm sure there's definitely a lot of disappointment tonight, but I mean, this has been a season of disappointment, really. And when you really think about the last couple of losses here by the Raptors, who are Playing better at basketball on the whole as compared to, let's say, just a month of December. Um, but just more of the same, of them just not being able to get over the hump in the fourth quarter. And, you know, even though the Raptors did at times take the lead um, sporadically throughout the second half, just momentarily, you know, popping their head above water, going up like one or two or three points here or there. They just were not solid enough. And, and tonight, I mean, it, there's so many problems with the team that it, it's it's hard to even just pinpoint just one. Um, so luckily, we have the reaction podcast here to sort of go through some of these. And, you know, I would say that if you're looking for the type of positivity after this game, I'm sure you can look at the way Fred Van played his second career triple-double. Both of them have come against the Utah Jazz, by the way. Uh, tonight, 34 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, 12 rebounds, a career high for Fred. Made a lot of big plays, made a bunch of big threes down the stretch. Made, you know, just, just was the Raptors' best player, like, clearly. Um, you know, if you want to look at, uh, actually, that's probably about it <laughs> in terms of positives. Um, but, yeah, Fred played well. Um, but, um, yeah, just a lot of issues with this team. So, I'm, I'm you know, I mean, it's it's in the title. It's the reaction podcast. The reaction after this one is, it, you know, you, you feel like I got to take an ant acid every time I watch the Raptors. Like, it, it's really, really tough to process what you see. Starting with the fact that the Raptors were just so comically bad around the basket throughout the game, but definitely at the start of the game. Um, Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes opened up shooting a combined 3 of 21 from the field. Now, their, their numbers... Somewhat normalized, you know, Scotty uh, settled in here at 7 for 23, which is uh, pretty bad. Uh, it's under 30. Um, and, and Pascal was more closer, I guess, to what he's doing at 9 of 22, although that's still less efficient than he normally would be. Um, but yeah, and and a lot of these were just like open looks, open layups, and they just couldn't get them to drop. Now, you have to give um, Walker Kessler a ton of credit. I thought he was just... Uh, phenomenal i mean he had seven blocks in this game the rookie was 17 points and 14 rebounds and was just absolutely dominant throughout the course of the game um but i think he might have changed like 20 extra shots beyond the seven blocks like he contested so many looks for utah on the other end and obviously he's got a good reputation already as a shot blocker as a good shot um contester and everything like that the only mistake he made at throughout the entire game for me was he fouled gary Trent jr on a closeout late in the game but that didn't even even matter to be honest um, he was excellent. And the Raptors, meanwhile, it was just, you know, it's one thing if you're missing a whole bunch of jump shots and, you know, okay, obviously the Raptors are an inconsistent jump shooting team. You can kind of accept that. But when you see the Raptors working that hard to get layups and miss those types of shots, I mean, it is just like, it's, it, it's gut wrenching to watch it because you, you really can't create some better looks than what the Raptors ultimately got. Um, and look, listen, the Raptors fought, they scrapped. You know, one of the reasons, if you, again, if you want to look at a positive, the Raptors shot 27 more field goal attempts than Utah, which um, should mean that mathematically it is impossible for you to lose. I mean, the Raptors took 110 field goal attempts to 83 for Utah and lost. 
Like, how is that even possible? The Raptors had 25 offensive rebounds, obviously feeding into that inflated total for the Raptors in terms of field goal attempts. And listen, I get it. Like, a lot of those attempts are like Scotty missing five tippins on the same play. Or like Pascal missing a tip-in, then getting his own rebound, then missing the hit tip-in, and then finally getting the second shot to go or the third shot to go. Like, I get it. It's one possession, right? So it's not like the Raptors had 27 more possessions specifically than Utah. But my word, I mean, it just you just never see this. Like, the Raptors are like this, like, mathematical oddity that you see them ha- do this all the time. You know, this this t- taking 27 more shots than the opponent and losing is is going right beside the Raptors shooting 2 of 30 from the field to start in the in the last month uh, when they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks on national television in the States. Um, that's the Raptors that you, you get on a consistent basis that, that not only will they frustrate you, not only will they most likely lose in the end, but not only that, but you're going to, you're going to truly see um, a miserable product at times and they will find ways to make it look ugly. And, 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 you know, tonight they, they fought, I mean, it wasn't like Utah was playing excellent. I, I got to say, I wasn't very impressed by Utah. I mean, I, I suppose Utah is not built to be impressive. This is a team that literally underwent the tanking process, and unfortunately, they just got back too many immediate players who are much better than they anticipated, like Laurie Markkinen, like Walker Kessler. Um, you know, and 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 of course, you know, they're they're still competitive. In fact, it's ironic that they're actually tanking, but they have a better record than the Raptors, who aren't. Tanking. That's the thing that's really, you know, um, sad to see. The Raptors are trying really hard to win every single game. That's why their starters play 40-plus minutes on a regular basis. You know, what was the stat that Blake brought up on Tuesday when he hopped on the uh, the Raptors show, right? He, he said the Raptors had, in the last, like, two, three years here, like 430, I believe, instances where a player has played 38 or more minutes. The next closest team in the in the league was at 300. So the Raptors literally had like 100-plus more games of players playing 38-plus minutes, which obviously is is a rarity in the modern NBA. We're not talking about the 90s where guys can play 40 minutes, no problem. Um, and tonight, the Raptors, like like I said, they're, they're not trying to lose. They're, they're trying their very best to win. They got Pascal playing 39 minutes before fouling out. Otherwise, he would have played 41. Scotty Barnes does play 41. Fred VanVleet plays 38. And Gary Trent Jr. plays 38. So they're, they're trying. It's just not working for them. And, you know, you can look at it and say, well, look, they're, they, were, they were in tight. They're, they're fighting. And, you know, the front office is traveling with the team. And they're trying to make these assessments. And I'm sure Bobby's, you know, getting calls to both his cell phones on trades. And I'm sure if I was a rival GM, I'd be calling up the Raptors after games like this and just saying, like, hey, can you not play my future players that many minutes, please? Um, but, wow, like, it, you know, you got a team in Utah who is actively tanking. And not only did they look like they have more talent on the roster, not only did they look more cohesive in terms of how they play, but they actually have a better record than you. And and that's got a really kick. That's really got a kick. Like, this is one of those games that you really just have to sit with it and think about what we just witnessed here. And it's not like there weren't good stretches of basketball from the Raptors. Again, like, I thought Fred played wonderful, and Fred has been the Raptors' best player for extended stretches here um now it's concerning because i think that the raptors um should probably still have pascal as their best player but pascal has really slowed down i mean his intensity in these games is dropping you know you're seeing mistakes from him defensively that you know you just wouldn't normally see from him we know he's a great defender and you know he's just not able to click in there and then i think 
offensively, he's barely making jumpers. I thought one, maybe he made maybe one or maybe at most two jumpers tonight, but didn't attempt a three was three of six on the free throw line. Uh, missed a whole bunch of chippies in close. He got a, a couple of his own putbacks. So the field goal percentage was okay, but overall, like, you know, it wasn't the greatest performance from him. Uh, you know, it's, it's a far cry from where he was at the start of the season. And he has six fouls and who can blame him. He looks exhausted. He looks so, so tired. Um, you know, there's after I think his fifth foul, um, he just kind of like lingered underneath the the stanchion there, huddled over, holding his shorts and just like gasping for air. And it's just like, okay, all right. So probably could have bought him some time um, because the plan apparently was to play him 41 minutes in altitude. I mean, the, the Utah Jazz played altitude half the games in their season. Nobody on their team uh, outside of Laurie Markinum played more than 32 minutes. And, and Laurie played 36 uh, in a close game. So, you know, that part is tough. And then I, I think on the other front, too, it's just like, you know, you, you just you watch the Raptors and there's this like sense of panic that really settles into this team. I mean, you know, when they start off the game and they miss so many shots in close, I'm sure that frustration builds. But it was just like watching 47 minutes or 48 minutes of just frustration from them. Um, you know, some bad body language too. You could definitely tell that guys aren't happy. Guys are missing rotations. You know, Utah got so many open looks from three. I mean, I get it. They're, they're a team that gets up a ton of three-point attempts and they got a lot of shooters on their team. But the fact that you gave up 47 three-point attempts to this team is a, a huge concern. Like you're supposed to be able with your length and versatility to stay on the perimeter and, you know, um, cause some disruption and you know if, if you want to say that okay the Raptors did use their length on the offensive glass I wouldn't disagree with you like I, I think that's where the Raptors got their best looks was off putbacks and stuff like that um, but in terms of forcing the, the other team to become uncomfortable defensively or offensively th- there was none of that and it's not just OG and Obi's you know being out obviously OG is your, your best defender and, and you know him being out of the lineup um uh, is going to hurt your defense. There's no doubt about that. But that's overall team defense is just so poor. I mean, the Raptors just giving up dunk after dunk after dunk. And other than that, it's just wide open threes. And listen, you, when Utah went cold for a while, the Raptors would go back the other way and they'd score and they'd eat into the lead. But you knew they were going to get open threes time and time and time again. And ultimately, that's what burns the Raptors. Like, you know, late in the game, guys being able to knock down some threes. And over the course of the game, when you have seen so many shots drop through the rim, you know, you're much more confident in taking those shots. I mean, Jordan Clarkson doesn't lack for confidence ever. Um, but, you know, him just pulling up for three was a huge possession the late in the game. You know, the Walker Kessler um, drawing two defenders down low because he's the biggest man in the building and then kicks out into the corner to Laurie Mark- uh, Markinen for three, and he knocks it down. This just kind of plays that the Raptors don't really have. And this is a game where Fred was able to somehow have legs at the end of the game and pull up for two threes. And it was, you know, and, and he also made a driving play where he drove through the teeth of the defense and then kicked it out to the corner to Chris Boucher, who knocked down a three. So this is a game where the Raptors actually shot 43% from three, but it's almost like a mathematical problem that the Raptors are facing with. It's like, what would you rather do? Have 27 more field goal attempts or take 40, uh, how many? Yeah. 44 or 24 more uh, three-point attempts because Utah more than doubled up Toronto's three-point attempts. Utah shot uh, 47, Toronto shot 23. So, um, you know, (laughs) it's just, it could just be a math problem in this case. The Raptors, you know, um, clearly didn't have the firepower to sort of, you know, match up against Utah. 
but at the same time, like, where's the defensive identity of the team? You know, it's so easy. You see them getting beat. You see the Raptors playing zone a lot, which I don't even think is a good idea against Utah, mostly because of the fact that they have so many three-point shooters and they have big specifically who can shoot threes. And those are really the, the type of players you want to beat zone. But at the same time, I understand why the Raptors played zone because they couldn't contain the pick and roll at all. And, and Mike Conley was getting downhill. Uh, he had an excellent game, um, very efficient from the point guard position. Um, Clarkson was getting downhill. Sexton is getting downhill. And, you know, they, 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 they not only do they have, like, a strong set of starters, but, you know, they're also able to bring weapons off the bench. Like, guys coming off that bench for Utah making differences. All right, Colin Sexton coming off the bench and giving you 12 points, three rebounds, four assists. You know, uh, you know Malik Beasley coming off the bench and nailing four threes, which is a big, big contributor um, off their bench. E- even Ochai Agbaji, who I haven't even seen play all that much this season, but he's one of those players that came back in the Donovan Mitchell trade uh, where Cleveland, he was he was their first-round pick this year in the mid-teens, and he comes in and knocks down back-to-back corner threes. That was during a stretch in the third quarter where the Raptors were pulling a, or, or pulling ahead. And instead, Obagi knocks down two threes. And I'm not even trying to say any of these performances were like that spectacular. I mean, realistically, Beasley and Sexton are guys who have been contributors, you know, throughout their career already in the NBA. And, you know, all that stuff is is not necessarily too surprising. Even Abaji, his his draft profile was that he was a 3 and D type of guy. So it's not surprising that he would knock in an open corner three here or there. But it's the contrast with Toronto's bench. You know, like, like you look at what the Raptors are bringing off the bench. Chris Boucher was able to come in and give you some energy, some hustle. Got it up ahead in transition for a couple of dunks. So I guess I'm not too concerned about the fact that he had 16 points, five rebounds, and 709 shooting with a three, which was at the end there. Would have loved if he shot better than one of three from free throw line, but this was objectively a decent game from Chris Boucher. What are the other contributors, right? You, you play Thad Young 14 minutes. I mean, uh, outside of his first shift where he, he collected three straight steals, which was you know nice to see and a little nice backdoor dime to Malachi Flynn who uh, was able to score an easy layup or a little uh, running hook shot over Rudy Gay where you literally hear on the broadcast Rudy Gay saying there's no way you know because it was just in disbelief it was a very contested shot where was the contributions off the bench you know Thad Young with two Christian Coloco with two Malachi Flynn with two Delano Banton with zero like what are you really supposed to do right and so you understand why Nick Nurse ultimately extends the minutes for his starters but of course you, you you get to the end of the game your starters are playing so much more. Their legs are jelly. They're they're playing entire quarters at a time, and and ultimately, for what? Right? Like for what? What was that? What was they 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 scrapped so hard? They put so much emotional investment into this game. And look, listen. Obviously, things aren't going their way, but they stuck with it, and and you know they put themselves in a position. And once again, they're in position to just watch the game slip out of their hands at the very end. We've seen this game over and over and over again. The last couple of games for the Raptors where they lose, it's it's this exact formula. Outside that Warriors game where the Raptors just weren't cohesive at all, which I think they gave up 130 in that one too. So defensively, the Raptors just, wow, just nasty as a team. But, you know, this is reminiscent of that Minnesota game. This is reminiscent of that uh, Boston game, you know. And even the Knicks game that they lost, you know, the, the one of the four times that they played New York, and that's the only one they lost. The same kind of pattern here. And... You know, it's a concern. And, you know, I think you could probably look at, if you're going to be honest, there's there's things that every single player should hold. There's things that every single, um, well, maybe not every single man, member of the coaching staff, but definitely the, the coaching staff needs to hold in terms of Nick Nurse, some of the decisions he made, and also the front office. And we can go 
all over the place. Let, let's start with the front office. Let's go top down, right? Because ultimately, we talk about the players every single day, and they're ultimately the players that are responsible for the product, but they get all the critique, right? But let's, let's look at the front office, for example. This is a point that's been brought up repeatedly um, ever since the start of the season where it was pretty apparent that Walker Kessler was a decent player who was already contributing to Utah, as we saw here tonight. This, this is probably his best game of his career. But it's ironic because the Raptors could have had Walker Kessler. In fact, the Raptors could have had Walker Kessler without just with doing nothing based on what happened last season. But the Raptors ultimately made that trade with San Antonio where they flipped their first-round pick to get Thad Young um, in exchange for the Goran Dragic salary dump, which conveniently did put the Raptors under the tax. And also, the Raptors were able to get back a second-round pick. Now, the Raptors were using that second-round pick on Christian Coloco, who... Honestly, if you if I had to guess that the Raptors were around that pick and they stayed where they were at the 20th pick, um, and I think Kessler went 22, um, the Raptors probably would have taken Coloco anyway. I I just think that that's just the, the style of player that they like, the mobility, the length, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, much more raw, but like they clearly liked him a lot as a prospect, and they even were even bragging about it at the time when they when they drafted him around draft time, and they were like, we had him in our on our board in the 20s, right? So maybe they would have taken him then. But the point is, you had a player where you traded down in the draft to get Thad Young, who, look, I was ambivalent on the move. I I was I remember covering it on trade deadline day, and I called it like an aggressive C-plus or aggressive B-minus. You did turn Goran Dragic from a guy who wasn't playing for your franchise to a guy who could at least bring some minutes off the bench. Not significant minutes. The fit was obviously kind of redundant with how many forwards you had, but, I, I okay, I kind of understood it. Um, in the sense that if you just really want another rotation player, and then, of course, they're able to re-sign him. And so, and of course, the veteran presence, all that kind of stuff. Like, I get it. I, I get it, right? I'm not, there's nothing really against that. The point is, though, you really did, as a front office, move down in the draft to take a lesser center, and then the first time you play him, Kessler looks like this. And listen, it's not a guarantee that Kessler's going to be Tim Duncan every night, but he was Tim Duncan tonight against the Raptors, and he looked awesome. And again, the Raptors fully were in a position, if they had just not made that trade, they would have ended roughly with the 20th pick, and they would have taken, I mean, who knows if they would have taken, but they would have had the chance to take him. Instead, they moved down in the draft, no chance to take him, no chance to take an Andrew Nemhard, and they get Christian, who I like. I like Christian, you know? Um, but ultimately, you know, a, a big downgrade here. What would you rather have had? Christian Coloco's two points, two rebounds to steal tonight? Or would you rather have 17, 14, and 7 blocks from Walker Kessler? It's a pretty significant difference. But look, listen, these are things that you can always look at the front office for, right? You can nitpick some of these things um, you know, more in hindsight. However, if you want to look at the overall team structure, what is Nick Nurse supposed to be doing with this roster that you, know, you could potentially see more out of from the group here. Because when you look at, and if you put yourself in Nick Nurse's position, you know, get yourself in a deep squat while you have your headphones in, and you, you just put yourself in a deep squat, okay, start yelling, get your face really red, all right, and, you know, scream boxing one and stuff like that. And then once you're in this meditative state as, as, as Nick Nurse, and you look down at your virtual, this, visualize your bench here, who are you really turning to off the bench as a difference maker, right? His options tonight were Thad Young, Chris Boucher, Christian Coloco, Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Kem Birch, um, and Ron Harper Jr. And actually, no, they didn't even have their two-way guys because they were down in a 905. So they didn't have Ron Harper Jr. or Jeff Down, who probably wouldn't have played anyway. Like, none of those guys are going to be difference makers for you outside of Chris Boucher, who Nick did play 20 minutes, right? Which is about how much you should play a Chris Boucher. 
Because you do know that even though he's going to score and use his energy, he's going to give some of it back. Ultimately, there's no issues with Chris today. Who was that different maker off the bench? Who was, like, even a, a decent shooter off the bench? Who, you know what I mean? Like, the Raptors tonight, with OJ Anobi missing, with Otto Porter Jr. missing, which, by the way, who could have seen that one coming, that Otto Porter Jr. would be injured for the year? Who was supposed to be the shooter for you in this lineup? You look at Utah. Look how many shooters they have. Kelly Olenek's a shooter. Laurie Markin is a shooter. Mike Conley's a shooter. Jordan Clarkson's a shooter. Jared Vanderbilt, you know, can knock down a catch and shoot three. Uh, Rudy Gay can knock down a three. Colin Sexton's a shooter. Uh, Malik Beasley's a shooter. Ochai Obadji's a shooter. Only guy in the rotation that wasn't a shooter is Walker Kessler, who obviously then it was Tim Duncan. So we're talking about nine shooters in the rotation. If you want to say Vanderbilt's not really that reliable of a shooter, I'll give you that. Let's say eight shooters, okay? The Raptors had two shooters tonight. In fact, the Raptors started the fourth quarter with this lineup because they had ultimately played Gary and Fred for like the entire third quarter. So they needed a breather. So who are you going to come off the bench with? They played a lineup tonight to start the fourth quarter. And again, it's like one or two possession games. So it wasn't like it was a blowout. Pascal Siakam, who is running on fumes, with Scotty Barnes, with Delano Banton, with Thad Young, and Chris Boucher. The collective three-point shooting percentages in that group, let me just read them to you, right? And this is updated as of... um, before this game. So maybe there are some small changes here. The best shooter in that group, three-point shooting-wise, is Pascal Siakam at 31%. Now, he is... Clearly, his legs are gone. So I doubt that he will be hitting 31% of his shots from three in this current condition. Okay, but let's just say that. He's a 31% shooter. Chris Boucher is a 31% shooter. Your second-best shooter in that group. Scotty is shooting 29% from three. Delano shooting 30% from three. Thad Young shooting 15% from three. And that's not really fair because he doesn't really shoot a lot of threes. But the percentages are what they are. We're starting a lineup in 2023 with five guys that shoot 31% or lower. And you're going into a team like Utah where, again, all their guys were shooters. And that's not to say that there are other advantages. Clearly, the Raptors are able to get to the rim better. They're able to rebound better. All that stuff is cool. But, like, man. How is that how you constructed this roster? And if and if and if you're the front office and, and there's gonna be some discontent on Nick Nurse, I'm sure Nick Nurse has some discontent for the front office because what are you leaving me to work with here? Right? Even a shooter like Joe Wieskamp, who who knows? Maybe he would have played in this game, maybe it would have made a difference, who knows? Where's he on the roster? Oh, two two ten day deals, you know, made some threes. Okay, all right, looks decently intriguing. No longer on the team. Guess what? The Raptors are carrying 14 guys on the roster. And maybe you want to say that's just flexibility. Maybe that's just for financial reasons. Maybe they'll sign him down the road. But in this game right now, when you're asking this team to press hard and make your starters play 40-plus minutes, you're carrying 14. You're artificially leaving yourself a man short. You have actually 13 because Otto Porter really hasn't played for you all season. You're two two-way guys. You never play, and they're, and they're literally not with the team. You got Christian Coloco, who is your second-round pick. You've already sent to the G League. You don't play him. Your backup point guards are Malachi Flynn and Delano Banton. With all due respect to those two kids, how many teams in the league would play those two guys as their primary backup point guard? And it's not like, oh, well, they tried them this year and it didn't work out. Malachi's been on the team for three years now. We know exactly what he is. Donald Bennett has been on the year for two, team for two years now. We know exactly kind of what he is as well, although he doesn't play much either, and he's been spending time in the G League. You have nobody backing these guys up. Fred VanVleet gives you 34 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists in 38 minutes, and he has no backup. And then when he starts to break down and his percentages look bad and everyone gets on him and, and, and you know, what, what is the answer there, right? Like, what, what is the sick, twisted experiment that we're going with? So the front office deserves some blame in all of this. This is a horribly put together group. 
when you really look at some of these nights, okay? It's just function like, and I don't mean horribly as in the, there's no talent on the team. That would be disingenuous, and I don't agree with that. I mean horribly in the sense that the idea for modern basketball in 2023, again, you come into this game with two shooters. How are you supposed to win with that, right? Now, when you think about the coaching decisions in tonight's game, obviously Nick's got to ride his guys. I suppose that is what it is. But some of the minutes distributions, when you look at it, doesn't look right. Precious the Troop only playing 25 minutes tonight. How come? Precious the Troop is very good. Now, he, was he in some foul trouble? Sure. But 25 minutes seems very low. And when we're just thinking about the fourth quarter in general. Okay, so the, Nick opens with that all non-shooter lineup. So the 31% shooting, 31% or lower lineup, okay? Um, he gets through it for a decent amount of time. You know, some putbacks here or there. Um... And, and, and they're able to get through it. Scotty made a contested long two, okay, to beat the clock. Um, seven minutes mech, uh, seven minutes mark, um, he calls timeout, and he's able to, uh, to to review a play, right? And I think Thad Young was, was, was stripped the ball from Mike Conley, initially was called out of bounds on the Raptors, and they went to replay, and they overturned the play and, and you know, gave the ball to Toronto. Um, during that timeout, the Raptors could have made some substitutions, and they did. They they brought in Scotty. Uh, they brought in Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. in for Delano Banton, and I believe, um, who else did they bring him in for? I think Chris Boucher, maybe. Um, but anyway, they brought back their guards in. The thing is, they left. So two two issues. They they left Thad Young in the game to play center, and they left Pascal in the game, who was really tired. Now, I thought it was pretty clear that you need to buy Pascal some rest because if your idea was to ride Pascal for the entire fourth quarter with how ragged he looked in terms of the energy he had tonight, he was either going to foul out, which he did, or he was not going to be able to make some shots, which he also did. Um, the other thing, too, is, okay, if you were going to make these substitutions and bring your starters in, why is Dad Young still in the game? And listen, it wasn't like some sort of like huge mistake at that time. It, was, it wasn't like a disaster waiting to happen, except for the fact that in the next two minutes before the Raptors got another opportunity to make the substitution with Precious Achua coming in for Thad Young, in those two minutes, Thad Young at center versus Walker Kessler at center. Kessler, by the way, is like 15 years younger than Thad, maybe like 14. Like Anyway, clear difference in age and clear difference in size, clear difference in athleticism. Kessler, during that stretch, he had... Two offensive rebounds, he had two dunks, and blocked Thad on a flip shot at the basket. Huge momentum-swinging plays in the fourth quarter when it was very, very close. And when you think back on it, and you think about the fact that Precious only played 25 minutes tonight, and look, listen, maybe he Precious would have got blocked, maybe Precious would have given those offensive rebounds, but I do know Precious can jump. I know Precious is young, he's in his early 20s like Kessler is. He's not you're in year 16, like Thad is, playing center, out of position, by the way. Like, that, that's, that's a huge coaching mistake. In those two minutes, you've just lost, like, five possessions. So there's a, there's a coaching error when you really think back on this game, right? And then, of course, you can go to the individual players. And look, listen, we've covered them all the time, right? Pascal looks really tired defensively. The, 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 it's just not there for him. A couple of sloppy turnovers there. Um, you know, Precious missed a, a key chippy at the end there, and um, despite the fact that he's been shooting free throws better on the season, he's he's managed to go from shooting 59% to about 75%, uh, one of four from the free throw line tonight, in a game where the Raptors lost by three points, okay? Th- they hurt. And the, the missed chippy at the end, that hurts. Although he should really play more um, and than 25 minutes. I don't know what Nick was doing with that. Um, reduce everyone else's minutes, but Precious playing 25 makes no sense. 
Scotty in this game couldn't really get the tip-ins to drop. Nine offensive rebounds. Some of that was his persistence on the glass. Some of that was also just he missed so many shots and missed so many tip-ins. Uh, but, you know, in this kind of lineup, he's got to take more threes. He took six threes today, especially with that non-shooting group. He was, I suppose, the shooter. I suppose none of them are the shooter when they're all 31% or lower. But, man, someone had to shoot. Scotty did shoot. Okay, I, I didn't mind that approach. Um, didn't have that many opportunities to play one-on-one. Um, and even when he did, I thought Kessler just, just made him miss so many more. Um, but, you know, could have been better on that front. Could have maybe, I wouldn't even say, I would say be more assertive, even though he took 23 shots. Like, that feels inflated. Like, I think in terms of the total possessions where he took the ball and attacked, could have used more of those. Fred, honestly, outside the ball slipping out of his hands, I didn't really see anything to really nitpick on. I mean, you could say that the on-ball defense against Clarkson or Conley was difficult. I mean, sure, those are those are guys that, you know, are going to get by you, especially if you're going to request your guys to chase over the top of big screens. Um, but that's where your help defense is to be there for you because ultimately, when you, especially when you're guarding pick and roll, that's a two-man defense at, at, at minimum, if not three-man defense. Um, but Fred clearly was your best player tonight. You know, whatever, no complaints. Gary, knocked down shots, played his role, scrappy on defense, did his usual thing, no complaints, right? And but again, it's just the bench. Like Christian coming in, shooting one of four. You know, it's tough to see Malachi. I mean, just 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 like virtually no impact when he was on the floor. You're just kind of like waiting for the, you're just counting down the seconds until like you could bring Fred back in. Like it, it's 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 that dire at the backup Wonka position with him and Delano as well. So you know, like of course you can blame everybody, but really I, th- I think this is one of those games where the front office really needs to look at the the result of the game and 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 see that it's just it's like banging your head against the wall in a lot of these performances. So uh, to wrap up the show, um, your three stars from tonight's game. Uh, first one is going to be Fred, obviously thirty four points, twelve rebounds, ten assists, a steal, a block, uh, thirty eight minutes, twelve of twenty five sh- from the field. He's trying to shoot, wear a shooting sleeve. Which is uh, which is new for him, you know. Um, I suppose it's got a pretty heavily padded one as well. Um, but yeah, it's not affecting his shooting at all. I mean, four of nine from three, which is huge. Had the legs to knock down some late threes, which is big. Got to the free throw line. I mean, just did everything he could to sort of will the team. You know, he generated a ton of offense for the Raptors, and he's continuing to do that right here. Um, your second star, uh, probably Gary. Um, Twenty points, two rebounds, three assists, three steals. I I, I like that particular stretch. Um, it stood out because the Raptors gave up 131 points and generally didn't play defense well. But uh, it was a particular stretch where back-to-back, at the same side of the floor on the left wing, just above the three-point arc, where Fred had a turn guarding Clarkson, and he stripped him, then jumped out of bounds to save the ball uh, for the Raptors. And then Gary was able to lock up Jordan Clarkson and force him into a travel because he had to pick up his dribble and had nowhere to go and dragged his pivot foot. I like that. So, you know, those were probably the only two defensive stops the Raptors got all night. So... Um. Yeah, those two. Those are your first two stars. You know, I thought Gary played his game well, and then your third star. I mean, really can't give it to Pascal. I mean, he had good stretches in the second half. I thought he settled in more, but just started the game off really poorly. And defensively, I just thought that. I mean, he was just. Yeah, it, it, he just looks so tired more than anyone else. And it's not a surprise. He's leading the league in minutes again. Um, you know, I, I think Precious probably should have done better in the matchup against Kessler. So it's hard to give it to him. Scotty was, you know, again, 7 to 23 is tough. Um, but so I, I suppose I'll give it to Chris. Chris Boucher was 16 points, five rebounds off the bench. I mean, he was the only guy who came off the bench and, and contributed in a positive way. 
Um, so I suppose that's not easy to do. But uh, yeah, Chris, Chris can get the third star. And then your Gerald Henderson Award winner. I've said his name many times on the show, but uh, yeah, Walker Kessler, man. Um, he was <laughs> he was awesome. I, I don't know what to say. Seven blocks. One of the most impressive defensive performances I've seen from a rookie player. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned, it's not just the blocks. I think he altered so many shots for the Raptors who it's, they had such a, such a tough night, um, scoring around the basket and, and Kessler, you know, in addition to other guys, of course the, the jazz, you know, stacked multiple bodies at the rim. Uh, but Kessler in particular was just so, so good at protecting the hoop. And yeah, I mean, I'm pulling up the numbers here. The Raptors as a team tonight, get the shot. 47% 47% from within five feet of the basket. 45%. Uh, 47%. And when you're thinking about the non-restricted area twos, and by the way, the Raptors shot 58% from the restricted area, which is still really low considering the league average is about 67%. Uh, but outside of the restricted area, the Raptors shot 9 of 31 so just just a nasty, nasty performance. The Raptors actually shot jumpers at a decent rate, but they just couldn't get anything to drop in the paint. And uh, so much of that was, came down to uh, young Mr. Walker Kessler, who, who whose name does feel kind of backwards. It feels more natural to say Kessler-Walker than Walker Kessler, but whatever, man. You could call him whatever you want, man. He was awesome tonight. So that does it for the Reaction Podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. And again, I apologize. A bit of a depressing recap, but you know the games are... Fairly depressing as it is at the moment, um, but we move. The Raptors will play again, and we will be back to recap the game again. And if you like some more positive vibes, I, I definitely highly recommend the banter pod that is going to be dropping uh, on Thursday in the evening. So look out for that. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for for listening. And uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, we'll be back to recap the next week.